Right on. I'll uh, add it to the podcast uh, player. Right, right, right underneath DJ, DJ Khaled and uh, <laughs> right uh, and uh, Drake. Somewhere in between those artists. Look for us. We'll be there. Fuck, he was good, Brock. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. Right. All right, all right. Welcome to episode two of the Unsportsmanlike Convo. Today we're talking Blue Jays, all things Blue Jays and some baseball in general. We have our very first guest on this podcast. His name is Mike Pignat, longtime baseball enthusiast, longtime baseball player, coaches my daughter's softball team, but more importantly, he's my brother-in-law. Mike, welcome to the show. We got the Jays and Red Sox going. They go today at noon. What do you think of this series so far? Uh, wraps up today at 1230. Uh, Jays will be going for the split. Uh, it's been good. Uh, showcase of the young players. Uh, obviously, Vladdy for the Jays. Uh, that second baseman for the uh, Red Sox, whose name escapes me right now. Uh, he's the one that ended the game last night. Ch- uh, Javis? Javis. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's been good. Uh, but yeah, it's been, uh, I mean, obviously the Red Sox are sort of light years ahead, uh, with Betts and, uh, those guys, uh, Bogarts, but you know, the amount of young talent that both teams have, it's, it's phenomenal. Did you not think, did either of you guys stay up to watch the whole game last night? I did. I watched extras. Uh, I, uh, started watching and then I started falling asleep there on the 11th. Um, I thought the Jays were going to win it at the bottom of the ninth. Uh, but when uh, I watched the highlights and uh, Telez hit that home run, I thought, okay, it's on now. Like, they're going to finish it here and uh, whatever. That was that really good play by, uh, was it Morin or whatever, Moreland at first for uh, Boston? Where he yeah, to hold the bag. Yeah, yeah, to hold the bag. That was pretty impressive. That was circa yeah, me was. with the Dukes. But, I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty impressive. <laughs> Mike, well, Mike, what do you think of uh, once again? We had the bases loaded with one out. Freddie Galvis at the plate, and he friggin' strikes uh, out. Yeah, there's two things you can't do with the bases loaded: strike out and infield fly, obviously. And uh, it seems more often than not that, like, you know, the, the bullpens are so strong now, the pitching is so strong that you got these guys that are just strikeout artists, right? But uh, still, you, you got to put it in play, you know. And uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating uh, to yeah. see stuff like that. He took three. He swung at three identical what, pitches. They look like, yeah, they look like curveballs, but they might have been hard. They might have been soft sliders. I don't know. It just there was so much movement on them. But he so he swung at the same pitch three times, and it's it's just so frustrating, you know. And then Drury came up and you know would have had a sack fly <laughs> had there been yeah. one out. Right. Exactly. But it was that. It's just so frustrating. It seems to be the seems to be the Jays' mo the last couple of years. They uh, they just can't seem to get guys in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, scoring with, uh, or you know, the average with uh, runners in scoring position seems to take a dive. And then uh, last year specifically, like the uh, the number of strikeouts, it's just unacceptable. You got to put the ball in play. So, what do you think, Mike? Is that coaching in the minors? That is it. Hitting coaches just not teaching the proper approach at the minor league level, and then they get to the majors and they have perhaps the same same level of coaching, or guys get moved up from AAA, so they never really learn anything more than what they're doing? 
that's probably a part of it. it, it you know, there's a, a lack of situational hitting now. Guys don't make adjustments to, to, to push a ball to the right side uh, to score that runner from third. You know, the, the average is going to take a dip, but you're going to get that run in, the RBI. Uh, but, yeah, you don't, you don't see it. The guys would rather go for the two-run shot than the ground out to score the one run. You know, and they're going to strike out when they're, you're swinging for the fences. But it's a trade-off that, I don't know, teams seem willing to accept now. So you make an interesting point. I, I mean, that's a whole other level of conversation. But, like, you know, guys swinging for the fences or guys just looking to get more, more than one ribby on one swing, does that affect – are they thinking salary? Are they thinking, hey, I, I, you know, i got to put up numbers here so I get more money next year? Like, that's is – that, is that an actual thing? Yeah, I'm thinking it's all about numbers. It's all about, well, I hit this many home runs, you know. And, yes, my average was 250. Uh, but I'll take that 250 with X amount of home runs, then a 250 average. And yeah, the RBIs are there, but those ground balls to, to the right side, to second and first, uh, they, they cash runs, but my average took a dip. Is there something yes. to be said about uh, that being more of the Toronto type mentality? Because I find, like, I don't seem to see it with other teams as much. And I don't know if it's because the Skydome is so uh, home run friendly. friendly. Yeah. So they think if they can get the bat on the ball, this sucker's going to go and, and, you know, they want to be that hero. I just, I find the Jays don't, uh, from a, a coaching standpoint too, I guess it's not as much little ball. It seems to be getting a little bit better, but when you, when you uh, sub the runner a third for a guy who can come in pretty quick and you got one out, like even a, a squeeze play, like it was to win the game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even a, a squeeze play, it's one out. You know what I mean? Like maybe he gets out fine. You get another guy, you know, up that has a chance to make a hit to bring a guy from second. But you you run them, bunt it, like just make them make a play. And and I just I I don't know. I, yeah, I'd like to be them more aggressive, I guess. And well, or or yeah, put like as you say, make them make a play. Put it in play, and see what happens. Like like uh, get your runners moving. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a frustration. But I think it's league wide. Like I think it's it's almost. Uh, and I don't know if it's the flavor of the month or if it's here to stay, but it's that trade-off of, yeah, we'll take the extra home runs versus um, versus trying to drive the ball. I mean, look at the shift. Guys will not make adjustments to hit a single on mm-hmm. up to the left side when when uh, when the shift is on or the right side, depending which way they bat. But, like, it's – and it's frustrating to watch because you're like, all you have to do is slap a single. You know, it doesn't need to be hard hit to the left side or right side, wherever the shift is. And it you're, you're not seeing guys make an adjustment. Although, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Rich Hill got, got really mad the other day. Uh, Is that the guy, uh, the announcer for the Orioles? The shift on oh. and he, they had the shift on, and the guy hit a routine ground ball, and uh, Rich Hill lost his mind <laughs> because oh, really? the shift was in effect. Who's he, pitching, who's he pitching for now? Is he still with the Dodgers? I believe so, yeah. 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 So, yeah, it was you know, it's, well, we're talking about the Jays. Uh, um, so we obviously we watch them the most because they're on the most uh, in our on our cable channels. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, the the culture of swinging for the fences. I mean, I, I think Gibby established that culture, and like like we all know, it's hard to change the culture uh, when it's been so prevalent. And really, the last decade, uh, you know, they swung for the fences even before Encarnacion and Batista. When they when they had the, a couple of teams where they had they fielded Troy Gloss and Frank Thomas and you know it's been a culture of like swing for the fences and even before then they had the, you know Canseco for a year and mm-hmm. Delgado and Green it's been 
swing for the fences. So Brock, I think you're onto something when, it, when, with the sky dome being so Homer friendly, I think they've always had a roster that just swung for the fences and this roster here. Like, I mean, I was talking to somebody yesterday. I actually think Vladdy in a couple of years is going to flirt with 60 homers. Like he's, he's that comfortable at the plate. He's already got five. Uh, you know, he, he hits it so effortlessly. He, he almost hit the windows uh, restaurant yesterday, I think, or whatever that, whatever that one above center field is. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a culture, small ball. Like it, the dome is so Homer friendly. I, I don't, it's just too tempting to not swing for the fences. And I think it's just, how do we change the culture or do we, do we change the culture? Do we, or do we get, do we feel the team of Telezes who, who swing for the fences and have no speed? What do you guys think? Well, the Jays, I mean, during their playoff runs, so, you know, I went to a couple of games, whatever, like the atmosphere is there. It's, you know, it's phenomenal. And the Jays had really good teams, but I found that when you get into the must win situations, they weren't able to say, you know what? I just need a single now to get somebody in. I just need to steal a base, have a hit and run, do a squeeze play, something to manufacture a run. And it was either do or die in terms of the home run. And I think that's where the team suffers when it starts to get into those must-win situations and you haven't done it all year. So I don't know. I I think now, especially when you're rebuilding. Yeah, I think that's coaching. That's my opinion. I think that's coaching and that's, you know, part of the – Sometimes the coaching and the front office caters to the the culture and what people want to see and the the new and hip and what's exciting for people and that's home runs, but ultimately it's if you don't practice it and play that way during the season you can't flip your script and say well, now we're going to be a small ball team and do what it takes. It's just guys have I don't know when the last time I've seen a, a J really bunt, you know like they're just never in that situation. They're they're given the green light to swing away. And I think that leads to, they don't have any burners. Like who, you know, who was even back when they had, uh, you know, Pilar and those guys and Carrera, Ezekiel Carrera and Ben Revere was like really the last true burner that they had on their team who can drop a bunt and get to first, but they don't have burners. They just, uh, none of them. Galvis isn't as quick as he appears. He's sorry. He's quick. He's not fast necessarily. He's, you know, when he plays in the field, he's quick his, his he's agile in the field. But when it comes to like getting from, for getting from home to first, I don't think he's a, a burner necessarily. So, you know, this kid, Jonathan Davis, Mike, I don't know if you, you know, you've, you've seen him probably a bit. He's, uh, he's got some wheels, but he can't get the bat on the ball. Like, so their burners can't hit. <laughs> so what's the point if they can't get on base? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's been a while since they had a, like a true leadoff guy. Like I think Revere would have been the last. Uh, and then before that, I think there was a gap too, where there's like a, a guy who, who uh, you know, your true leadoff gets on, uh, he'll swipe you, you know, uh, bases and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's, and yeah, it's, it, and that probably lends itself to the uh, lack of situational hitting, the lack of bunting, the lack of move a guy over. Um, you know, when you got guys that, like a Rowdy Telez coming up, uh, a, uh, a Vlad, you'll take, you'll roll the dice and say, look, let, let him hit. And uh, if he can work a count and get a three, one pitch two Oh pitch uh, let's, let's hope for the best kind of thing. Ezekiel Carrera was the guy I was going to bring up. He's the one guy that I guess I, I last time I remember a guy who would actively bunt to get on base and, you know, really take advantage if there was, you know, they're playing further back and just kind of pop the ball in and go. But after that, I'm kind of lost. You know, it's amazing. In uh, the month of April, the Jays led the uh, American League in 
producing runs with guys in scoring position. And then they've just fallen off a cliff. So, you know, I think the um, uh, excitement of Montoya early on and his new strategy and his belief that, hey, we got we got to get guys around the bases. We're going to steal the base here and there. We're going to sacrifice. I think guys just reverted back to their old habits. And uh, they were talking about this the other day, actually, before Buck and, uh, <clears throat> Buck and Pat Tabler were talking about how uh, the hitting coach was not not happy with their approach at the plate. They were, they had a game plan. They went through the game plan before the game started, and then they would get to the, get to the plate and just panic or, or just revert back to their old habits, which is let's just fucking swing at everything and, uh, and hope for the best. So I think the coaches are trying. Um, we're not seeing a lot of results. The last couple of games though, have been really promising. I think they, uh, you know, from a pitching perspective, hey, they, they kicked Boston's ass the other night and they, sh- they should have won yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they should have won that game. Bases loaded one out. You're, you got to win that game. You got to, you got to drop a button. Like Mike said, and force them to make a play. No, I agree. And, uh, you know, you talk about April, they were the, the top one in manufacturing runs. That was pre Vladdy coming up too. So I think that they were making a lot of moves. They were tossing, you know, trading guys and uh, and whatnot. And I think from a strategy standpoint, they're like, hey, we got to do whatever it takes with the guys we have to get runs in. Then you start bringing guys like Vladian, who like at any given time can crush a ball. So and he's brought up as being, you know, the next one. So you're going to let him swing away. And then that just kind of follows. Once you start doing that with one, you, you've, you've lost that mentality of do whatever it takes to get runs in. And yeah. that's where I think that shift happened. So I don't know how you go back to it. Um, or, you know, I just I feel like there's situations for everything. And they got to be more selective in terms of, look, we need to win this game. We need to stay within the hunt to a point, at least be respectful in terms of our record, respectable, not respectful, respect is baseball, be respectful, but respectable <laughs> in terms of the league and, um, you know, put guys in to, to win games. Ultimately, it's, you know, the fans want to see wins. Home runs are nice, but I think true fans, just hit a double and get a couple guys in and let's win this game. What did you guys think right. of the uh, um, Alex Cora calling out uh, uh, Marcus Stroman? With the uh, because he wasn't wasn't pausing before the pitch and stuff, and uh, I know the, the the batter got pissed because he grounded out, uh, and the, or what should have been a ground out, and then uh, Cora got on him, and Cora later said it was uh, he was actually yelling at the ump because he wanted to call both ways, I guess because they had been told, yeah, you can't do that or what have you. Uh, I didn't see that personally. The Pierre, did you see that? Yeah, I saw it, and right, uh, it, it was. This exact same stuff that that Strowman's been doing all year with the with just quick pitching guys and uh, which is yeah, legal, like, is it not? Yeah, totally. And Cora Cora mentioned it. Guys do it all the time. Strowman's just a little more animated when he does it. I think is the only difference. So, you know, uh, pitchers try to s- screw up guys' timings all the time. Like it's whether it's uh, a hesitation with their with their leg raise or. Like we see it's so subtle. I think with Strowman, it's not so subtle. He really emphasizes it. So, you know, I don't know. I, I don't particularly care. It's so hard to hit and pitch in the majors that every little advantage you got to take, you got to take. So I agree hundred percent. Like, like, you know, you talk about pitching, it's all about changing speeds. Uh, and that just is another element of, of how you can change speeds or disrupt the hitters uh, rhythm. Uh, they're looking for certain cues 
you know, wind up release uh, these things, you know, the rotation on the ball. And this is just one more way of, of saying, uh, okay, I, I know you, you got me timed my, my wind up. I'm going to do this to mess with you. Uh, and I think Strowman is the, maybe just the most vocal that it's part of his, it's part of his thinking. It's part of his repertoire of like, okay, I'm going to do this to get you off your game. Whereas other guys might do it and not just not say it, not vocalize it. Uh, so he's sort of called out for that, but well, you know, he's only doing what he thinks makes him effective. Whether it does or not, that's a whole other argument. But, you know, uh, the fact that hitters are getting pissed and, and uh, opposing coaches are getting pissed, I think, shows it's working. And, and Strowman is 5'8", five, five and he doesn't throw 100 miles an hour. He throws, uh, you know, I think he tops out at 93. So he relies on pitch location, pitch movement, and some of the stuff he's been doing with, with quick pitching and throwing off a batter's timings because that's – he, he doesn't throw 95, so he, he has to work with what he's got to work with. And the ball's coming in at a hitter-friendly angle when you're 5'8". You know, when you're, if you're Sanchez and you're 6'6", and the ball looks like it's falling from the sky, it's a lot harder to hit. But, you know, Strowman has to do what he has to do. He's got to use every tool in his toolbox to get guys out. And yeah. he does. And, you know, I think that's why, you know, if they are going to trade him, he's pitching now as probably as good as I've ever seen him pitch. And he looks healthy. So, you know, if we're going to deal him, uh, you know, or at least entertain the thought now might be the best time. I think his value right now is highest and a team can have team control over him for another year. So like, I don't know what we'd get in return. I guess we would need a ready-made pitcher plus a couple of minor leaguers. I, what do you, what do you guys think? What would be the return on Stroman? Well, I think they, I don't even, you got to build. The, I don't even know what the ask would be though, because yeah. you, you, you know, what are you hoping to get back? Like a future Stroman, like two years from now, Stroman, or I, I just, I don't understand when you have team control over a guy the way they have for, you know, however many years it is like, why are you moving him? What do you, I don't understand what you're hoping to get. You're not, you're not looking for a veteran obviously because it's uh, you know, rebuild um, and, and he's under team control to where you think you can be competitive. Now, if you think he's going to gradually decline and, and get hit, then yeah, this is the time to move him. His, his stock is high as you say, but, but I, I just don't, you know, and the, you know, there's that old expression. There's no such thing as a, as a pitching prospect in in the majors, or 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 in baseball because so much is is hypothetical and dependent on so many things, uh, health, you know, uh, velocity. Um, so I don't know. I, to me, I, I say keep him until he's getting to that point where he's going to hit free agency, and then you can look at your you know, where you are in the standings, uh, what your outlook is and say, okay, let's, let's move them. Let's keep them. Let's, let's deal them, whatever. Well, that's the thing. I think you just nailed it there. I think, I, the, I think they want to deal them essentially because they don't feel they can keep them when, when he's, uh, when he's up. I think he's got this, obviously the rest of this year and then next year, and then he's, he's a free agent. So they clearly don't think they can keep him either. He's going to command too much money or he's going to walk. He's, he's going to not want to stay. Uh, so that's, that's, I think that's why they would want to entertain, see what they can get. It was, it's got to be prospects, uh, pitching prospects. I would imagine they don't have a lot of depth right now. Like they're throwing out friggin' Edwin Jackson right now <laughs> to pitch every fourth day. Uh, I, I'm looking, Oh, side note. I'm looking forward to seeing Clayton Richard tonight there. I don't Have They had a lefty starter in their rotation this year yet. Jeez, good question. I don't think uh, so. like in their starting five. I don't think so. This not, I don't think so. Barucky's been hurt. Yeah. Uh, Pannon, Pannon, uh is he lefty? Can't He's a lefty. Did he start? He I might have he started, started. Like spot yeah. started here and there, yeah. Like, I don't know too many 
too many um, quality starting five uh, groups of starting five that don't have a lefty to throw at guys. It's it's wild. Yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. A different look. What do you guys think of Grichuk? Has he disappointed? Has he come as advertised? Has he like I'm not not necessarily this year. We all know he got paid, but like yeah. you know, since he's been with the Blue Jays, has he been what they thought he'd be? I was surprised at his payout. I think um, you know they were pretty high on him when he came in, and uh, I've never been blown away by him. He's never a guy when he steps up to the plate that I'm like, oh, thankfully Grichik's up. Let's go. We're gonna get something going here. And then he got paid, which made the spotlight on him a little bit more for me. And uh, yeah, he, I just don't. I don't know. I'm 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 torn with him. I, was, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's the guy. And I was not overly happy with the, the the signing for that amount. I thought we could probably do better, but I don't know, Mike. I think Montoya is having a hard time putting him in the lineup like, uh, or placing him in the lineup. I don't think, I don't think Montoyo knows where to play him. Like he, uh, he doesn't, he's not a contact hitter. He strikes out a ton when he does get contact. It's either like upper deck or a dribbler right in front of the catcher. There's really no in between. It seems uh, not that I've seen, and I've watched a lot of his at bats. Um, He doesn't blow me away with his approach. He swings at everything. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Mike, what do you think of Grichik? What's, what's your take on, yeah, he's play. he's kind of that in between guy. He doesn't uh, he's not a power hitter. He doesn't hit for average either. Uh, so yeah, it's it's there's a bit of a frustration there. And then he's not a he's not a speedster. He's not a you know he's not going to steal you a ton of bases. Uh, but um, yeah, so so it's frustrating in that sense. He, he's a plus defender. I don't know about a plus center fielder defender, but he but he's a good in the outfield, uh, good arm. Uh, you know, I think. This year is more what they anticipated when they got him. Uh, numbers that he's putting up now, um, although his average is down from last year. But um, uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think if he continues, you know, he, he he seems to be a really streaky player. Like he'll go on these slumps, extended slumps, where it's like, man, this guy is playing bad, like like really bad, uh, hitting hitting really poorly. But uh, and then he'll go on streaks where he's on fire. Um, it's a matter of uh, ironing out those, you know, get, getting a little more consistency. Kendris Morales comes to mind. <laughs> I'll hit four home runs in a game, and then I'll, I won't get a single hit for about three weeks. I think he was uh, released eh, by Oakland. He was released. I think uh, he got picked up by uh, the New York Yankees. Is that uh, right? They've, I can't believe how many injuries that team has had, and yet they're still, if I'm not mistaken, as of this morning, they're in first place. And uh, how bad are the Baltimore Orioles? Well, yeah, pretty pretty atrocious. <laughs> Do you oh. see that guy? What's his name? Glaber Torres or whatever? Mm-hmm. He hit, didn't he hit three homers or two homers against him yesterday? He's got uh, 10 homers in like 11 games versus the Orioles this season. <laughs> and that's They've the given one. up the most uh, home runs. They, give it, they gave up 100 home runs up to now, which is, I think, the quickest any team has ever given up 100 home runs in a season this early that's right um, so bad the, but hey listen i'm enjoying every second of it because as you as you well know brock and mike you now you know uh, i'm not a big fan of the uh, state of maryland the state the of baltimore of maryland. <laughs> good to know yeah he's a the steelers Raven. fan that's uh that's why did you guys hear the orioles announcer um <laughs> when that guy hit his like second home run or whatever 
No. Uh, I'll see if I can uh, find it, but it's uh, he basically like he's out of here. Here, let me see if you can hear this. That ball's hit well. Left center field, back, gone. Glaber Torres does it again to the Baltimore Orioles. 11th home run of the year, 5 nothing Yankees. 11th home run for the year, as Flash said, but that's his ninth against Baltimore. That's amazing. Nine home runs against one team. Yeah, I was just thinking, what's Gary Thorne thinking? Play-by-play -play voice for the Orioles. During the streak, he's hitting over 400 during this 10-game hit streak. Torres pumps that one in the air. That's to left center field. Wilgerson back. I, I don't know. Goodbye home run. I, I just, you cannot imagine this happening in Major League Baseball or any other place <laughs> in baseball. I mean, he is just unstoppable. And it's all home runs against the Orioles. And it is five to nothing. So Torres now has nine home runs. So this guy is losing his mind. Like there's another one somewhere where he's actually like yelling at the thing saying like stop pitching to him like walk him do whatever but stop pitching to him. Who's Baltimore's coach now. It's not Buck Showalter anymore. eh? Uh, no there's no way in hell Buck Showalter lets that happen. Hell no. I think Buck Showalter hits him. A buck. Buck Showalter goes up on the mound, grabs the ball, and hit, literally pitches it. And hits him. <laughs> Are you kidding me? There's no way in hell those old school coaches let one guy hit 10 home runs on you in the season. No chance. No chance. Which I can respect them for. Oh, totally. Uh, as, while we're on the topic of the AL East, <clears throat> how about the Tampa Bay Rays, if not first place, certainly in the hunt all year, great young team. They trade Chris Archer. They get Tyler Glasnow, and uh, I think Meadows was another guy they picked up who are playing basically like all-stars. And they're 29th in the fucking league in attendance. Yeah, atrocious. That, it was, I mean, that franchise, I mean, I don't know. Mike, what do you, there's, what's the deal? Is it, I, I know they, they do market sharing, I believe, in the, in the MLB. So they'll survive mm -hmm. no matter what. But like, there are certainly there are better options in terms of uh, relocation for a team like that than Tampa Bay, which is which plays in a fucking dump. And on, honestly, I don't even know if a stadium would help. Really, I'm not even sure if they if they upgrade or if they moved or whatever. Do you know that stadium was originally built for the Tampa Bay Lightning? Really? Is that right? They played the first two seasons there. Well, huh. they got out pretty quick then. And that's hockey. <laughs> Could you imagine yeah. playing baseball in that in that? dump it's it was originally built for a circus so that's why they have the catwalks up top and all that nonsense it's a dump so like with the, with, talk, with talk about montreal sorry I, I just hate i hate i like beautiful ballparks and i i hate the fact that they have a team and a good team and you know didn't they did they win the world series one year uh, they lost it in 08 it was that uh, long ago holy cow yeah but i don't think they won one but they had Longoria and they had some, some good, they've had talented oh, yeah, teams yeah. over the years with Joe, Joe Mann was their coach. But so what do you guys think is, is Montreal a viable option? Will, will they be a viable option? Uh, Bromfman just bought some land. He's going to build a stadium on it. What, what do you guys, what's your take? Are you guys sentimental about Montreal? Like, like I am, I'd love to see them get the Tampa franchise. You think about like Montreal having a team uh, one 
uh, two being in the AL East. You know, they'd play the Jays, they'd play the Yankees. So you got uh, the Boston Montreal rivalry going again. You know, in uh, in baseball this time, uh, I think it'd be huge, and, and it would sort of uh, add to that uh, what is already probably the best uh, uh, the division in baseball. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. Um, you know, it was kind of cool. Or, well, whatever. I mean, we weren't old enough really to take advantage of it, but being you know right in between. You know, Montreal and Toronto and saying, look, we can go left, we can go right, but we're going to go see a game. And it's, uh, um, I mean, there was something about the Expos being in the NL at the time, right? So you can kind of get a chance to see more teams, more diverse teams, I guess, if you were, let's say, not a fan of either and you, you were, you know, a Cardinals fan or something like that, where you say, okay, I can go to Montreal to see them. Um, so there was that appeal, but I do think uh, in order for it to be, beneficial and successful and and whatnot i think uh you know mike's on the on the right path where they would have to be you know al east and then you create all those rivalries and that's the rivalries are really what gets um gets a program going and the excitement and it's it's always something to look forward to regardless of your record you have these rivalries that you want to uh you want to compete in well, and it only like from even from proximity, it only makes sense if you got a division with New York, Boston, Baltimore, Montreal, and Toronto. We're all they're all within what I don't know, eight hours of each other max, nine mm-hmm. hours. Like yeah. so, you got proximity, you got travel convenience for all those teams, uh, and like you guys said, rivalries. I mean, Montreal, Montreal, New York, Montreal, Boston. I mean that that rivalry stems from hockey. Like you've got there's so many. There's so much pot potential if the Rays just moved to Montreal. I mean, I, I would be, it would be awesome. And like, you know, like Brock said, uh, we were, I don't know, Mike, you probably younger than we are. Um, no, he's older than he's older than me. Mike let's might be into Mike. Let's not get into specifics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My bad. That's my, my fault. We're, <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm on, I'm an analytics guy. The, uh, <laughs> so 2004, they lost their team. I would have been, uh, 20, 25 or 26. My, um, anyway, my, my math is my math fails me right now, but when they were in their prime, I was too young to be able to go to Montreal on my owners and see teams. It's only an hour and 45 minutes away. Yeah. Which is four and a half. And that's the thing. If they you know? came back and they were in the AL East, you'd think like you'd have people from uh, new England going up to games uh, in Montreal. You'd have, uh, Jay's fans making the drive like like if they sold in other words uh, packages you know a 20 game pack I'd be buying I'd be going for for 20 games uh, see sure the Jays, see, see you know see some of the AL East teams uh, no I think it'd be huge and it, like a no-brainer if 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 uh, Tampa Bay was to move that it's you know Montreal's got to be one of the top considerations I do feel like uh, the MLB has is is actually more receptive to the idea now than they've ever been. Like, I don't know if it's Manfred. I don't know if it's just the fact that they realize now, like Tampa Bay is not going to draw fans. I don't know if the the Montreal guys are charming the pants off them, but uh, I think now more than ever, I feel like the MLB is very receptive to the fact that Montreal could could support a team, and I think they can support a team. It's a big city. And they, like you guys said, they draw from so many different areas because of where they're located. And, you know, it's a fun city. Montreal's a fun city to party in. And nightlife will be good for the players and all that, all that stuff that comes with, uh, you know, pro sports. Um, 
please, I'm begging MLB if you're listening. You're probably not listening, but no, you're going to listen. Yeah. Right? Uh, no. They're going to they're going to listen. Well, Facebook uh, tag them. Facebook tag we're begging you. Major League Baseball <laughs> president. Well, well, fuck, that's not working, Manfred. That's not working. <laughs> it's not working on Cowherd right now. But oh, we're, fuck, we're, stop talking about him. The three, <laughs> the three of us are, <laughs> the three of us are begging you, please bring a team to Montreal. And we we're promise there's, there's more than just three of us that'll go to the games. Yeah, like <laughs> six, six for sure. They're they're being over. Well, there's an overlap right now with hockey and baseball too. So imagine you got the Habs playing the Bruins in uh, some playoff series, and then the Red Sox are in town in Montreal for uh, a three-game thing. Imagine that you you'd have the opportunity of going to Montreal to say, "Look, I'm going to go watch a playoff game or whatever, and then I'm going to catch two baseball games, and I only have to spend like a night in Montreal or something." And as soon as as soon as the Habs are done, the Alouettes start. You know, there's yeah. it'll, be, it'll be a viable sports city again, right? Oh, yeah. It's one sport away from being uh, a sports destination, like Toronto yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Uh, although the Argos are not in that equation in terms of Toronto, but um, you get yeah. Basically, anyway, yeah, it's a, it's an exciting thought for sure. It'd be cool if Ottawa had a bigger stadium. You could say, oh, one of the Montreal Toronto games is in Ottawa. Well, it it. It brings back the conversation of at least Ottawa having an affiliation again with uh, Montreal uh, minor system, you know, like a, a, either a triple A, double A, whatever. The Lynx and, were that uh, back in the day, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and the proximity was a no-brainer. Like, here you got, uh, you need a call-up, you know, you could take an Uber to the game uh, <laughs> if, if you're called up. But uh, with those but salaries, yeah, so, yeah, I guess you could. You know, obviously we're getting ahead of ourselves, but, but uh, it... it you know, it just brings back all the uh, having a team there brings back all the okay. Now you can have a team in in Ottawa. You can have you'll have fans from you know develop the baseball love in in Ontario, Quebec, et cetera, et cetera. You know the uh, the Ottawa Champions play at um, RCGT Park. Please don't ask me what that stands for. I think it's a law firm or something. But Raymond um, Shabbat. Yeah, exactly. Um, Grant Grant Thornton or something. You got it. <laughs> Well it's, a, it's a nice, it's a beautiful stadium. It needs a little bit of, it needs a little bit of lipstick, but it's, uh, it's actually, it was rated the best minor league, um, minor league stadium in that, in the Can-Am league. Uh, I think, I think there's a team in New Jersey that just built a new stadium that's supposedly really nice. But, uh, but for years it was, it was one of the best minor league fields. At least the, the, the actual grass, the turf was, uh, was the best. And uh, if you, I'm sure you guys have been. It's there's no bad seat in that house. It's a, it's an awesome venue. It's easy to get, super easy to get to actually. Right off the Queensway, uh, parking is like it's only five bucks. It's it, there's tons of parking. I don't know. I I, I mean I'm I'm not a, I'm not plugging the Ottawa Champions here. Um, although they're, it's a fun they're a fun team to watch. Um, but I think Ottawa could support a minor league team. There's enough baseball fans out in Ottawa to uh, support uh, a AAA affiliate. Yeah, uh, well, I think there's more chance of that if it was an affiliate for the Montreal Expos or Blue Jays. You know, a hundred percent, it would be a no-brainer. And you know, I can definitely see from a personal standpoint, I am way more likely to go to you know twenty plus games 
if this is the Expos minor league system, if this is the Blue Jays minor league system, if, you know, imagine it was the Jays and it was Guerrero and Bichette and Biggio and stuff like that, and you're like, hey, they're in Ottawa. Fuck yeah, I'm going to these games every second day. Yeah, or, or you see a guy uh, uh, come back on a rehab stint, uh, you know, that, that's played in the majors. Or uh, it, It's also the trackability. Like, you... you when you're when it's affiliation an affiliation with a team you like you're going to say okay this guy he's you know he's scouted he's going to be the next uh, mm-hmm. uh left fielder next next season let's go watch him while he's here kind of thing like uh, all those guys that came through ottawa rondell white cliff floyd you know uh, all these guys that went on to play uh for the expos uh and it and it like i say like sometimes when it's a, a team you have no clue then you don't know is this guy a top rated uh prospect or is he just some you know has been or never will be kind of thing well in the uh, in the can-am league there's uh, i think a lot of these guys have had uh, a major league affiliation whether they were in their minor league system and then just sort of fizzled out um or they're just older older players looking for just looking to continue their careers but there's really no trackability like you said like they're just sort of playing the play yeah uh I think there was one dude from two years ago played for the champions who ended up signing with the Jays and the Jays ended up trading him somewhere. Big pitcher. I can't, his name slips my mind. He was a big dude, but uh, there's that was, those guys are few and far between. I mean, he was an anomaly. You don't, you just didn't see that very often in that can am league. There is one guy that pitches for them currently named Philip Omo, who was the closer for, I think the brewers maybe for a couple of years. So, um, Again, a, guy, a local guy who's just looking to extend his career, but they're few and far between. But um, the, yeah. For trackability to be uh, purposeful, you got to be tracking a kid up. Nobody's, you know, Can-Am, you can track him, <laughs> but you're like tracking like, oh, whatever happened to that guy who used to be good and whatever? And you're like, oh, he's in Can-Am. So you're tracking him on the way to retirement. Nobody cares. We want to track <laughs> up. So let's get uh, let's get some well, of the uh, the young guys in here. When you talk about uh, ballparks, I went to Syracuse this weekend uh, for the uh, the Syracuse Mets game to watch Tim Tebow uh, play uh, AAA. And you talk about you know guys having stints there. Rajay Davis was there doing an injury uh, stint, and I think uh, killing some time down there. But that stadium is beautiful. It's only three hours away. If you get a chance to go down, it's uh, phenomenal. I can't guarantee that Sergeant Slaughter will be there every time, but <laughs> that was definitely a highlight. I'm not even a big wrestling guy, but Sergeant Slaughter was like, for real? Look over. I'm like, He's a gentleman. He is awesome. And he did yeah, the he, uh, take me out to the ball game in between the, uh, the, the top and bottom of the seventh. Not a singing <laughs> voice by any means. No, but no. He grabs all these kids. You know, you want to help me sing, take me out to the ball game? So all the kids are like, yeah, they all go down. Of course, my kids run with them. And my kids somehow end up on top of the uh, Syracuse Mets dugout standing there. And everybody's singing, take me out to the ball game. You know, uh, Sergeant's got his uh, mic going. And um, and then at one point, he sticks the mic in front of my kid's face like they're going to help him sing. And my kids have never heard the song in their lives. Luckily... The, the fans were loud enough to drown out the sound of complete silence and utter like <laughs> shock as to what the fuck we're supposed to do with this mic in our face. And he quickly like brought that back and continued singing anyway. But um, uh, it was fun. I would highly recommend it. Looked it. Like he was, it looked like he was interviewing them from the image that you posted <laughs> on Facebook. I'm like, why is Sergeant Slaughter interviewing Brock's kids? <laughs> 
Yeah, that's like amazing. Know, yeah, where are you from? You have never heard this song before. All right. Did he did he give you the old uh, and that's an order? Did he do that? <laughs> no, but we took the selfie. No? I think I showed you, but he held up. Uh, I didn't even look at what the ring was. I think it's like a wrestling Hall of Fame ring, maybe. Yeah, WWE. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he was uh, <laughs> he was quite the draw. And you saw Rajay Davis play. Yeah, he was playing center field for them. So. Uh, you know, he'd always warm up with Tebow. Tebow was in left. And, uh, Is he in the Mets organization? Tebow? Yeah, he... No, um... Oh, oh yeah, Davis. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's their AAA affiliate right there. Rajay just got called up the other day, uh, hit a, home, a game-winning home run. Did he say, uh, thanks, Brock, for all the pep talk he gave me? He said it was the anthem. He uh, said, those kids singing the anthem, that's what did it for got, me. They got me juiced? They got me juiced, yeah. The Mets are a hot mess, by the way, a real hot oh, mess. Yeah. Their Cespedes had double ankle surgery during the offseason, and he owns a big ranch, and yeah. supposedly he <laughs> stepped on a hole and, and blew his ankle out, and he, he broke every ligament or tore every ligament in, in and around his ankle. They're paying him $27 million a year to sit at home on his ranch. What a waste of money. And Cano, they, over the weekend, they sat him for not running out a, a base hit. Did they not do their fucking research on this guy? Uh-huh. When they signed him from Seattle, that's this has been the book on him. Uh, great hitter, but like zero effort. Yeah. And uh, and now he just pulled his hammy. So New York has spent all kinds of stupid money, like really stupid money on, I don't know, putting butts in seats. Like that's not a winning formula what they've done. So the butts they've been putting and they're in the seats on the bench because these guys are just getting hurt and doing whatever. What happens to Cespedes in terms of his money when you get hurt? off baseball related activities there's got to be some sort of consequence for that so they were talking about it yesterday that the um the mets are going to investigate which gets really dicey right when you start investigating you're basically saying to the guy look i we don't believe you kind of thing or it gets really tricky then the relationship can get strained and whatnot but basically uh they'll investigate and if there's any kind of negligence whether maybe it wasn't a hole that he stepped on or he was doing something in his contract that he shouldn't have been. They can recoup a lot of that money, not all of it, but a lot of it. Um, and if not, if he's just like, yeah, I stepped in a fucking hole and I broke my ankle at my ranch. Um, uh, they pay him everything. Every piece sits really? at home and gets paid full. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess I won't release that video of him playing ball hockey where he got slashed in the ankle <laughs> by uh, Joe Schmo in the corner. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Jonas Cespedes is playing ball hockey. Uh, no. I'm probably crazy, but <laughs> Mike, what do you think? Is he play Jonas Cespedes play ball hockey? Put her on the oh, hole. Not, not very well. <laughs> not very well. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, I think we've exasperated the Blue Jay talk. Um, Mike, you're our first guest officially. Yeah, no kidding. On, on Sportsman Like Convo, first. buddy. First guest. Yeah, I feel, I feel like you've been doing this forever. What's you, you have such a natural like you're chilled out right now. And I know, I know the listeners can't see you, but he's super chill. Uh, hat backwards, earphones like he's been doing this forever. Brock, has he been doing this? Have you guys been doing this behind my back? And he's got all the all the what's going on? Well, Mike did get some podcasting equipment for uh, Christmas. I think this year um, he's not using any of it, but uh yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's a it's a it's a doorstop right now. Ah, it's an expensive doorstop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, Mike's just good. Tell me when Mike's we, good. Just tell me when we're going to record, and uh, should be good to go. 
Yeah, I guess we'll. Uh, I'll press. Oh shit! Did I oh. press it? <laughs> <laughs> I've made that mistake before. I won't make it again. Uh, There's no promises. Uh, Mike, you got any takes on any other sports? Like, should we get into anything else? Or Pep, what do you got? Uh, I wanted to talk a little CFL. I don't know if Mike's into CFL. Uh, not a lot. Just to just touch touch upon uh, some changes that they've made. Um, the Raptors. We just quickly game five is tonight. Uh, I've got two or three thoughts on that personally. And uh, yeah, let's save the know. CFL. We'll get Curtis on for the CFL one. Great call. Uh, um, NHL hockey but coming up. Yeah, NHL or Raps, Mike. Any interest in either of those? I'll let you guys uh, handle those ones. I don't want to overstay my welcome. But it's been fun. And I'll uh, be downloading and listening. All right, Mike. All right. Thanks a lot for being on. Thanks for having me, boys. All right. Talk Thanks, to you Mike. Later. Well, that's the end of our show. I hope you guys are enjoying this as much as we are. And if you are enjoying the Unsportsmanlike Convo, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Spread the word to all your friends and family, and we'll see you guys next time.